Hi, my name is Linda S. Like Frank, and I am just so humbly blessed to be asked to be your speaker this evening. I'd like to start with the set-aside prayer. It's a wonderful prayer uh, that I choose to use each time that I speak. It's a general reminder of setting aside what we think we know and unblocking us so that we can begin anew. And there's nothing like a fresh start. So let's pray, shall we? Dear God, we invite you into this room to guide and direct each of us as we seek your truth. Please set aside within each of us anything that would block us. Lay aside our prejudices about about what we think we know, about ourselves, about our disease, about compulsive overeating, this meeting, the steps, our spiritual condition. Remove our fears that we might hear your truth through the members of this group. Give us the strength and the courage to share your truth with each other in a real spirit of love and compassion for our fellow man. We ask that we might have a truly open mind, so we might have a new experience with the things and come to know you better. Please help us see your truth. And I say in Jesus' name, amen. And of course, use your higher power. They all work when you work them and just work them. I came into this program in a really (laughs) amazing way. Uh, Let's start a little bit by saying I didn't have your most typical childhood, and I like to put it in a pretty box, and of course it isn't pretty, and it really doesn't belong in a box, but because of time, we're going to put it in a pretty little box. I had a lot of abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional, spiritual abuse. There was abandonment. There was divorce by the time I was four. Uh, My natural father loved me, uh, but he couldn't stay. The marriage just didn't work between mom and dad, and boom, he was gone. So I had a lot of self-loathing. I put that upon myself. I think my first memory was of my father dragging my mother by the hair of her head across the kitchen floor and my mother just screaming, get out, get out. I think my second memory was a memory of sexual abuse with an uncle. My memories weren't very good. And that's how I started my childhood. So back in the box they go. And so I lived my life. And I started my life with anorexia, not compulsive overeating. I tried to dis- tried to starve that pain out. And of course, that didn't work. And then I had just a, a crazy upbringing. It was just a wonderful uh, life at home with mom and dad and brother. We really did have a wonderful life at home. And then we would go on family uh, vacations to the grandparents' house and family reunions and family Christmases. And that's where the uncles and the uncles (laughs) were. That wasn't so wonderful. That's when times of violation, abuse, 
took place. And so it was like a double-edged sword of having a wonderful family life and yet not a wonderful family life. And I would just act as if nothing happened. And I became this chameleon. And I learned how to people please so that I might not get hurt. But I kept getting hurt. I ended up leaving my hometown, which I dearly loved. But I wanted to get away from all of that. And not to mention I was a a singer. And I was quite good. So I left my home at a young age of 20-something. And I moved to Las Vegas to sing. And it wasn't before too long that my name was in lights in every hotel and casino in Vegas. And I was voted the top singer for in Las Vegas for about 22 years in a row. I had my own band and I paid taxes as a professional singer for 22 years in Vegas. I loved it. I just didn't know that you had to be a model too. I thought you were just a singer. So anorexia was a pervasive thing in my life. So much so that I got IVs in my neck and court-ordered therapy uh, because of the anorexia. It was so severe. And uh, I learned how to taper down and how to hide it and not to be so severe with it, but it still was a thing in my life, unfortunately. Uh, At the same time, at some point, I got the rare Legionnaire's disease, which is even rarer than the coronavirus. And it took me down. It almost took me out. I was in isolation in ICU for about six months. And uh, I ended up on oxygen. And at the same time, my father was passing away in Georgia. And I always promised him that mom wouldn't be alone. And it looked like my singing career was coming to an end. Being on oxygen probably wasn't going to be a good look in Vegas. No more ball gowns, no more stilettos, no more name and lights. So off to Georgia I went, the little bitty town where there wasn't even a Walmart. Talk about culture shock. So I'll never forget the day when I was walking through the kitchen and mom said, so I'm making this, this, and this, you know, wonderful American country food. Or are you going to eat that or do you want still stick to your rabbit food? And I thought, you know what? My name isn't in lights anymore. I don't need those ball gowns. No high heels. There's not one single person in this town that needs my, that knows my name. Why not make up for one of those 10,000 meals I didn't eat? So I said yes to the food. And unfortunately, I couldn't quit saying yes. My anorexia quickly flipped to compulsive overeating. And I started compulsively overeating instead of being anorexic. And when you don't have any activity in your life and you're in a wheelchair and on oxygen, that weight came on by the tens of pounds, 20 pounds, 100 pounds. I mean, it was unbelievable. You couldn't lose, I'm sorry, you could not release five pounds in a week or a month, but you could surely put on five pounds in a week, not a problem. And it was really beginning to be a problem in my life. But yet I lay in the hospital bed to die, thinking that it was a death sentence. I had doctors coming to the house, occupational therapists, physical therapists, nurses, all coming to the home, and I just wasn't getting any better. 
And uh, my sister, my true blood sister, uh, this was on my birthday, invited me to come to OA. I said, OA? No, I don't ever see myself going to OA. I don't want a life without sugar or flour. And I'm counting, I'm counting calories. And I have, quote, unquote, lost 25 pounds, so I'm doing okay. What do you think about that? And she's like, that's great, but you've got to come to OA with me. I'm the leader, and I'm your older sister, and you got to give this a shot. And they don't say that you can't eat sugar or flour anymore, so you got to give it a try. I was like, oh, no, I, it's my birthday. I just did that birthday thing that everybody else in the world did, and I just, you know, let me wait a couple of days and come with you. She's like, no, it's going to be fun. Just come. I was like, who can say no to your older sister, right? Like they let you. <laughs> so I ended up walking into the room of, I didn't walk, it was a phone meeting. I ended up going into the phone meeting of a Christian OA meeting for the very first time. And it was in there that I heard about steps one, two, and three, that if you admit that you're powerless over food and that your life had become unmanageable. And if you believe God can restore you to sanity and then make the decision to surrender your will, food, even sugar, an entire life over to the care of God, that he would do for you what you could not do for yourself and that he would bless you with this thing called abstinence. I was like, what? What are these people talking about? What is this? And I was like, there's no way. Because I had tried. I, I thought, well, I'll just be anorexic for breakfast and I'll just get this weight off. I couldn't be anorexic for breakfast. So I tried, I'll just try lunch. No anorexic lunch. I'll just do the anorexic dinner. The anorexic thing didn't work anymore. But this abstinence thing, I thought, well, if God's involved, it might be possible because God's pretty powerful. I have no powerful, but he's all power. And, of course, use your higher power. Uh, my power is God and through the person of Christ Jesus. But here in OA, all higher powers are powerful. So use your powerful higher power. And I knew my higher power packed a lot of power. So I was like, well... This abstinence thing just might work. So I did what they said the next morning. God, I surrender my will, food, weight, sugar, my entire life over to you and say thy will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. And I'm telling you what, I had abstinence all throughout the day. I prayed that prayer. God, I surrender my will, food, weight, sugar. My entire life to you, I will be done. I just stayed in conscious contact with God, with steps one, two, and three, all day long. It was godly magic of surrender as I worked steps one, two, and three. And that willingness was the key. I was willing. And if you're willing, it's a state of great humility where I was no longer trying because I kept trying and trying, but that was just great confusion. Because willingness implies you don't know how, but you're willing to learn. Trying implies you should be able to do it, 
but you're struggling and struggling. Where willingness involves acceptance, trying involves condemnation. And I was condemning myself every day. You can't do this. What are you thinking? You just, I would call myself the worst names in the world. Where trying places the responsibility on you. Willing places the responsibility on God. How could I lose if it's on God? Willingness is a prayer. Trying is separation from God and done in your own power and flesh. No wonder I couldn't do it. I was trying and trying and trying. If you're willing, you'll be open to receive. If you're trying, you're close to guidance and doing it in your own power. It was wonderful when I learned about the spiritual principle of willingness. I became willing and acceptance flooded my soul. The gates of heaven opened and it became not easy, possible. All things are possible with God. There's a verse in in God's word that says, I can do all things through God. All things. And this is one of those things. And the thing is, I can even pray for the willingness to eat in a God-honoring way. As I honor God with my food, he is blessing me with consistent, sustainable abstinence and weight relief. Have you heard in the rooms, when I eat what God wants me to eat, I'll weigh what God wants me to weigh. I've released 267 pounds in these rooms. I've done most of it just through eating in a God-honoring way. There's been some exercise. As again, uh, my wheelchair is in the garage. I can only walk about 30 steps at a time. Uh, My exercise is done in a chair. Uh, It is some standing, not very much standing, but some standing, weights, stretchy bands, and some standing for the core exercises, but I exercise five days out of seven. I am on five liters of oxygen every minute of every day. I have double pneumonia as we speak, but together we get better. My sister that brought me into these rooms, I don't know why, but she died. She died and relapsed to this disease. 911 was called and they had to crash the door open to get to her. Five minute reminder. Thanks. She lost her life to this disease. I don't know why, but here I am, hoping that some other sister, some sister will be spared and that you'll start working steps one, two, and three every day and that you'll surrender your will, your weight, your food, your sugar over to the care of God. I call it my OA cha-cha-cha because I love to dance and get free of this insidious disease. After my blood sister died, my cousin died. Two in our room of Christian OA have died. This disease wants to take you out but I want to make you live. I'm living on a prayer and promises, the promises of this program 
the promises of God. Page 64 in the big book says, resentments are the number one offender. From them stem all forms of sickness. For not only have we been mentally and physically ill, we've been spiritually sick. But once we overcome the spiritual malady, we'll straighten up physically and mentally. I have to get rid of all my resentments. I have to be spiritually fit. I want to live. Gratitude is the salve and the ointment that helps me get rid of all emotional distress. It is a wonderful thing. I want to just be here today to encourage you to do your OA cha-cha-cha, to stay physically, spiritually, and mentally fit. You have to get rid of all those spiritual maladies one day at a time. We only get anything like freedom from the excess weight and compulsive food and sugar and consistent daily freedom by daily working steps one, two, and three. And then, of course, living in 10, 11, and 12. We're required to work the first three steps daily to achieve freedom. You can pray them, read them, write them, journal them, recite them, whatever it takes, but to truly take spiritual action. Ours is a plan of spiritual action. That's why I'm still alive. I knew I couldn't get it on a bicycle and bicycle this way away, but I can surely take spiritual action every day. We have 12 steps. We have nine tools. I pray for your willingness to daily work the first three steps and then progress throughout the day and work the rest of your steps. You are truly worth it. You are blessed to be able to pray and meditate on God's most precious and powerful word. And then in step 12, get well and carry the message. We do recover here and live in the solution. I hope you'll live in the solution with me. My name is Linda F. I live in Georgia. You can reach me if you would text me first at 423-280-4233. Again, that's 423-280-4233. God's highest and best to you all. Bye for now. Thank you, Linda. Would you like to leave a topic for us? The topic is, what is your solution? Okay, great. All righty. Turn off the recording.